Good morning, church. What a joy to be a member of First Baptist Church, Norman. I know that some of you have been here all of your life, but some of us have only been here about a year. And I hope the rest of you know just how good it is here. I tell you, with Pastor Wade preaching to us every Sunday, messages from the heart, and how it blesses my old heart when he does so. And Chad, my gracious, what a wonderful blessing of ministry he gives to us each and every week. And uh, he and I stood here a moment ago and prayed together for this service this morning for God to bless all of us. And the orchestra, wow, they are a blessing each and every week. And the choir and all of you in the pew, the ushers, those who stand at the door and welcome us, I hope you realize what a great place this is. Roy Joe mentioned a moment ago that this is my 60th year of preaching. I started six years before I was born. <laughs> I tell you, 60 years, it's been a long time. And yes, I was 13 years old in the seventh grade and uh, I read the first uh, six verses of the book of chapter one of Psalms. I preached everything I knew how to preach. We sung 29 verses of Just As I Am, and it was 11 minutes long. It will not be that short this morning. I, I did say one time to a church in southeastern Oklahoma, where I was serving as interim pastor, that as I understand my position this morning is to speak to you, and your position this morning is to listen to me. And if you finish before I do, feel free to leave. <laughs> Five minutes later, everybody was gone. So, I don't say things like that anymore. So, If you have your Bibles, I would like for you to turn with me in the New Testament to the book of James. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. And while you're turning there, when Pastor Wade asked me if I would supply in his place today, and I told him I would, then he told me what to say. He gave me the words, he gave me the scripture verse, and uh, said so I could fill in all the other parts. So this morning, if you don't like the message, it's not my fault. You can blame Pastor Wade for saying, hey, this is what you need to do. James chapter 5, and you know, being my age, I hate to tell you this, but I, I still use the King James Version, so you'll just have to put up with me reading this old passage of Scripture. James chapter 5, and we're going to begin with verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly 
that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Verse 16, the last part. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Another translation simply says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. Would you join me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And may it be as fresh as the heartbeat in our chest. And I pray this morning that you would bless me as I stand behind this pulpit to preach your word. May it be just that, your word for this hour. Not what I may want to say, nor what the folks may want to hear, but may it be a fresh word from on high, through your Holy Spirit, to each of our hearts and our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. It was a small town in northeastern Oklahoma, very small, had one bank, had a couple of gas stations, but it had a drugstore, Harrison Drugstore. And in Harrison Drugstore, there was a soda fountain so you could get something uh, to drink or eat, mainly ice cream or a sandwich. But on one end of that soda fountain was a little gumball machine. And if you would put a penny in that gumball machine, you could get a piece of candy, a gumball. But inside that gumball machine, with multiple colors of gumballs, were yellow ones with red dots. If you put a penny in that gumball machine and push the lever, and out came a yellow ball with the red dots on it, you could turn it in for a nickel candy bar. And that was back in the day when you could get a three musketeer that was about a hundred pounds or more, you know. <laughs> more than two times, but I'm sure less than 10, I stood there in front of that gumball machine with my penny in my hand and prayed. <laughs> Dear God, if you will let me have that yellow gumball with the red dots, I will be a good Christian. I promise you that I'll read my Bible every day. I promise you that I will do all kinds of things that you want me to do. I never got a yellow gumball with red dots. I got a pink one, a blue one, a red one, sometimes even a black one. And I discovered later on in life what I was doing as I was praying that prayer. I was praying in the wrong manner. I was praying amiss. And then of course, later on as I grew older out of childhood and uh, attended youth camps, primarily down at Falls Creek, before air conditioning. <laughs> and the preachers preached seemingly two hours long. I came up with another prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. The sermon is long, the subject deep. If he should quit before I wake, 
please give my arm a gentle shake. <laughs> and then later on I learned that the real truth is, is that God is not some type of a spiritual Santa Claus in the sky to give us all that we want. He said, I will supply all of your need according to my riches and glory, but I will not give you everything that you want. Our greatest prayer that we could ever pray is the prayer of salvation. God, I am a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. And from this moment on, I want to serve you in the fullness of your church. And then I believe the greatest prayers beyond that prayer, when we pray beyond ourselves and pray for others. To love one another through prayer. First of all, I think we need to love one another through prayer because life is a gift. Every day is a precious gift. The Bible says, this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Life is not a dress rehearsal. We only go around this place once. We cannot bring back yesterday. As a matter of fact, five seconds ago is now history. You can even put your hand over your chest and feel your heartbeat, and every heartbeat that you feel is now gone, and you cannot bring it back. We need to make the most of every day. We need to use up every single day of our life. Life is precious. Life is a gift. And you have been given the gift of life to enjoy it and to use it for the glory of God. Too many of us as Christians take the time to, yes, enjoy life, but we enjoy it selfishly and not to honor the Lord in our lives. I'm not suggesting that through prayer, we go around with our hands folded and our heads down, especially when you're driving an automobile. But there is a difference in actually praying or being in a spirit of prayer because life is a gift. We need to realize that we need to love one another through prayer as we pray for others. Life is precious. And as we pray for one another, that we will all discover the gift of life. Secondly, I think we need to love one another through prayer because life is a challenge. There's always a mountain to climb spiritually. There's always a road that we must travel. The Bible says, unto whom much is given, much is required. Some people tend to coast through life, not ever amounting to anything. And I realize that circumstances dictate a lot of our places in life. Not everyone has a job, not everyone has a home, not everyone has the next meal that they know where it's coming from. But I do know this, that we should not waste our lives where we are and where we're at. As a matter of fact, my simple theology is this. Every day, do the best you can with what you've got, where you're at, for Jesus' sake. God made us as individuals. I cannot do your work for you, just like you cannot do your work for me. If I tried to serve God in your life, then I'm failing my own life. 
I believe that God has a call upon each of our lives. No matter who we are, no matter our circumstance in life, God has a purpose in your life. God has put a calling upon your life. When I was in my first pastorate many years ago, I would take and hold my Bible like this a lot of the times. I would try to emulate the voice of Billy Graham. I even tried to comb my hair like his. And he would preach with the Bible in his hand and I would try to do the same thing until it dawned on me one day if God wanted me to be Billy Graham, he would have made me to be Billy Graham. He just made me to be a little boy from southeastern Oklahoma. And I say to you that God made you to be who you are and you're to use your life in the calling he put upon your life in whatever vocation it is, whatever place you serve, to be the very best you can and not waste a day, but to enjoy your life every single day. Life is a challenge. We must do our own work. And I think we need to pray for others as they face the challenge of life. The third thing is this. We need to love one another through prayer because life is a joy. Happiness. Spiritual happiness. Spiritual joy. Not as the world defines happiness but true inner joy, true inner peace, true inner happiness. Can it be lost? Yes. Can a Christian come to the point in their life where they're not happy? Yes. Can a Christian come to the point where they lost the joy of their relationship with God? Yes. David sinned. He lost the joy of his relationship with God but he repented and he found new joy. I became a Christian when I was nine years old. The man that I'm named after was preaching a revival in our church where my dad was pastor. And I remember that night when it felt like I needed to do something, not knowing what it fully meant to become a Christian but I, that night in the invitation, walked down the aisle of that little tiny church and I opened my heart and gave it to Jesus Christ. I wish I could stand before you this morning and tell you that I've never failed my Lord, but I have. Sometimes, very critically, I have failed him. There have been times in my life when I have honestly felt I have lost my relationship with God. But I'm here to tell you, God never left. God never leaves us. We leave Him. But in those dark times of my life when I have failed my Lord so miserably, through prayer and repentance, I came back to that relationship with the Father and reclaimed the joy of my salvation. And you can too. If you come to the point in your life as a child of God that you feel like that you are so distant from Him that your prayers are not getting above the ceiling, that your walk with the Lord is distant, 
God has never left you. It's you're the one who's left him. And you can repent and come and recapture. David wrote in Psalms chapter 30, verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And I tell you, when you're serving the Lord and you're doing the very best you can to be all that he would have you to be, you will find true happiness and true joy. It's amazing. The Apostle Paul said, No matter what state I am, therewith to be content. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter your position in life, you can be content serving the Lord where you are. There's an old saying that I heard many years ago, two men looked through prison bars. One saw mud and the other saw stars. Simply meaning that no matter where you are in life, you can either look up or you can look down. You can either be positive or you can be negative. I think that we need to pray for one another that we will all find true joy in life. Now the fourth thing is this. I think we need to pray for one another through prayer because life is a story. We are writing our life story every single day. The story can be happy or sad. It can be positive or negative, like I said a moment ago. It can be uplifting. It can be encouraging. Or it can be pessimistic. Job in the Old Testament lost everything. Lost his health, lost his family, lost his possessions, even his land. He became weary. He became despondent. And he said, God, just let me die. We all know the story of Jonah. How God sent Jonah to Nineveh to preach the word. But instead, he flew away from God the other way and went down to Joppa and got on the ship. And we all know the story. The Bible tells us that he jumped or was thrown overboard and fell into the belly of a big fish and was sped up on the land. We know all of that story. But he finally repented and he went over to Nineveh and he just preached a very short message. Except you repent, God's going to destroy you. And then he went up on the side of a hill to watch God destroy Nineveh because they were Ninevites and he was of a different tribe. Well, guess what happened? One of the greatest revivals in all of mankind happened. The people of Nineveh, they repented. And there was old Jonah. He was waiting for God to destroy them. He was up on the side of the hill and he got up under the shade of a gourd vine. Well, God has a way of doing things. God sent a gourd worm who chewed up that gourd and it withered and died and he just sat there in the sunshine waiting on God to destroy Nineveh and it never happened because they repented. Well, Jonah became upset. He became mad. He was disgusted because God did a work not based upon who Jonah was, but because he used Jonah to further his kingdom service. John the Baptist was in prison. He found his faith wavering. 
So he sent two of his followers to ask Jesus if he was the one. And folks, we all travel this road of life. And sometimes life's events can bring happiness. Sometimes life's events can bring trials and tribulations. It can happen in work situations. It can happen in school situations. It can happen in financial situations. And it can happen in family situations. We travel an uneven road in life. Life is never a constant mountaintop experience. Sometimes we go through the valley of despair, of discouragement. But did you ever notice that when you're on the mountaintop, to get to the next mountain, sometimes we have to go through a valley? And did you ever notice that the deeper the valley, the higher the mountain? And that's the way our life as Christians really are. Sometimes we get weary. And sometimes the story of our life has dark chapters in it. But when people read the story of your life, it's not those times they want to read about or know about. They want to know the exciting parts of your life. They want to know that you are a blessing, not just to God, but to everybody else. We need to understand that the story about Jesus is real. The story of Jesus is nonfiction. So when troubles come and trials come, and we are faced with all kinds of situations that would destroy us and pull us down, remember, keep your faith. Keep on keeping on. I think one of my favorite hymns of all time is, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And the part that speaks to me so strongly is, Pardon for sin and a bright hope for tomorrow. Folks, let me tell you, we're fighting the battle right now of this world, but God has already given us the victory. We need to understand that heaven will surely be worth it all. We need to pray for others while they're writing the story of their life. The fifth thing I want to share with you is that we need to love one another through prayer because life is brief. I will never forget the day, and if you were alive, you probably will never forget where you were either. But I was sitting in a classroom with Mr. Hunsaker, the principal, came on the intercom system and said, may I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? And he said it the third time. But there was like a tear in his voice when he said, May I have your attention, please? The President of the United States, President Kennedy, has been shot and killed in Dallas, Texas. As a young man, a young boy, that's the first time I realized the brevity of life. When I was in elementary school, we all had heroes. Roy Rogers, Gene Autry, 
I was different. One of my favorite heroes when I was in elementary school was a man by the name of Nathan Hale. That young naval officer who, when he was captured by the British, when he was facing imminent death, he said, I regret that I have but one life to live, to give for my country. And I thought, wow, what a great man, what a great statement, what a great patriot. But he was probably an old man when he said that. So it probably was no big deal that he could say, I regret that I have but one life to give for my country, because he was a real old man, right? I was shocked when I discovered he was 21 years old when he made that statement. Methuselah lived 969 years. According to the Bible, that's probably the oldest person who ever lived. But Methuselah's life was a failure because it only had one dimension, length. Christianity is not what you don't do, it's what you do. We need to understand that whether you live 21 years or 969 years, it's what we do that counts. It's what we serve, it's how we live. Alfred Lord Tennyson, the poet, wrote, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. It's not how long you live, for it will be brief. I think if you would ask Methuselah the day before he died, hey Methuselah, you've lived 969 years. What's been the biggest surprise of you at all? He probably would have said, it was too short. It makes no difference. The length of your life, it's what you do for Christ that really counts. I've mentioned several times, being from eastern and southeastern Oklahoma, as a matter of fact, I was born in the front bedroom of my dad's and mom's home, as was my older brother and my older sister. We were born between Bengal and Lodi. You act strange. You, that, that's really two places in Oklahoma. The town we were living in was Red Oak. And in that part of Oklahoma, preachers would get up and preach in revivals, in Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, and they would say, you know, if you don't do this and if you don't do that, if you leave this alone, and, and I'll be specific, they were saying, if you don't go fishing on Sunday, if you don't eat an ice cream on Sunday, if you don't go to the movies on Sunday, if you don't go to dances, I remember one preacher preaching in the 60s when Chubby Checker was singing and doing the twist. The evangelist said, some of you teenagers are twisting your way to hell. Oh. <laughs> and again, I say to you that through prayer 
and loving one another and supporting one another through prayer, we can discover that Christianity is not what you don't do. Because all of those things that I just talked about, a department store dummy would be a good Christian. Because they don't do anything either. Christianity is not what you don't do. It's what you do. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. And you ask me how I know he lives. Well, guess what? He lives within my heart. And as a child of God, he lives within your heart. We need to pray for others because life is brief. Prayer changes things. We know that. It has changed untold millions of lives throughout history. Prayer will change your life. What is your life this morning? This is pretty simple as far as I'm concerned, and you know, being from Eastern Oklahoma, I'm kind of a simple-minded person anyway, but being here this morning, you're either a child of God or you're not a child of God. But I'm telling you that prayer will change your life. That as a Christian, prayer will bring you closer to the Savior every single day. And if someone is here who does not know the Lord, who has never given the Lord their life, you can simply pray that prayer, God, come into my life. And he will do so. He will do so. Someone, I believe, somewhere is praying for you. Others are watching your life. Now, you don't believe that someone's praying for you in here this morning? Let me tell you, I got a text message this morning before 8 o'clock that a man by Wade Smith had sent me a text saying, I'm praying for the people in church this morning. Someone's praying for you right now. And I can simply tell you that without Christ in your life, there is no life. That Christ shows the purpose of life. That Christ shows the real meaning of life. And that when you choose Christ through personal prayer for your life, then your life begins with a capital L. Yes, we only go around this world once. We cannot bring back yesterday. It's gone. But again, with Christ in your heart, there's bright hope for tomorrow. I don't know your needs this morning. Some of you as Christians may just need to come and kneel at the altar and pray as Pastor Wade invites us to do often. Some of you may be visiting First Baptist Church this morning, looking for a church home. Well, I can tell you Pastor Wade is a whole lot better preacher than I am. And you're welcome to come and join this great church and on to glory go. Some of you as a Christian today may feel the need to come and recommit your life to the Lord. I know that Baptists are known for rededication, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm simply talking about a recommitment of your life to the Lord. And there may be some of you this morning who are here who've never opened your heart to invite Christ to come into your life. I invite you to come this morning. Just turning away from everything that you've ever known and turning your heart to Christ and let him fill you with his presence. 
Trust him and accept him this morning as the Lord and the Savior of your life. I don't know what you need to do, but I tell you, you're welcome to do it this morning spiritually. Let's pray together. And now our Father, your Holy Spirit works in every heart and every life. And as we sing this morning, I pray that every heart and every life might be fully in one accord to you. And if there are those who need to respond publicly today, I pray they'll do so in Jesus' name. Roy Joe will be standing here at the front to receive anyone who wants to come and share with him and pray with him and him pray with you. Again, whatever God is leading upon your heart to do today, I pray that you'll do it. Let's stand together and sing. <laughs>